Thank you for tuning in to another week from Faulty Logics. This is the Raptors Den podcast. Um, here you have Dan, uh, fantasy basketball guru with a collapsing team. And we also have uh, my buddy Peter here, our token black guy on the podcast to make us legit. And uh, yeah, Peter, tell us about what we're going to talk about today. Great agenda coming up here today. Um, as you guys know, the trade deadline just passed this last Thursday here. A lot of big moves that we're going to be talking about a lot of on this podcast this week. But a quick agenda here, we're going to be talking about Dwayne Casey and his 300th win as the Raptors head coach. The one minor trade that the Raptors were in uh, during this trade deadline there. As well as a quick all-star update, there were some more unfortunate injuries and people that have to step out from the festivities. As well as the big Nuggets Suns little brawl that they had on their, their game the last week. And of course, the trade deadline itself. We're going to talk about all the big moves, the shakeups, the pros and cons for each team and how they, how they are going to be shaping up for the rest of the season and into the future. Um, I know, Dan, you wanted to do a quick shout-out to this giveaway that we're still trying to launch out uh, here for us. Yep, so same as every week. We're still trying to hit 100 subs. Uh, it's been very difficult, but uh, we're close, please guys. let us help us get there. Um, all you have to do, again, is make sure you subscribe to our channel. Uh, leave a comment in any of the Raptors Den podcasts below. That's where we're going to pick our winners from. And you just have to be subscribed. So make sure your profile is uh, public so we can see that you're subscribed. And then we'll do a, a draw out of a hat, like live on the live on the podcast once mm -hmm. we hit 100. Yeah, guys, we're real close. If one of you guys tells two friends, those two friends tell two more friends, I'm sure we're going to get there by the end of the week. Um, but great. Uh, after that, we can jump right into the, into the actual information here that makes people tune into the Raptors Den. First of all, our Raptor uh, shout out there. We have to give congratulations to our head coach, Mr. Dwayne Casey. For Casey. hitting 300 wins as the Raptors head coach. I do believe he's the only franchise coach to actually hit 300 wins. Um, for us, yeah. For, for the Raptors he, franchise He's itself. definitely the most winningest uh, um, coach. Then again, it comes to his, his talent on focusing on defense. Knowing that we have the offensive players to hit their, their shots when it's necessary. Really focusing on defense, which has been the piece that's been missing for the Raptors franchise for the last couple of years before he came here absolutely um it helps that he has the probably one of the best franchise players that he's coaching there with uh demar derozan one of the best running mates in kalawi still you can't take anything away from Dwayne casey and how he changed the face of the organization in the seven to eight years that he has been with the raptors it's it's been an amazing uh situation to watch yeah. i was glad it was in my generation there uh, how do you feel about Dwayne casey on the on the coaching uh, I've said in the podcast before that I wasn't a too big of a fan of him because he's too defensively, uh, he has a too much of a defensive mindset. But uh, we always knew Raptors have always been an offensive teams as long as we've had the Raptors. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can always do it on the defensive end. It's more of the defensive end that uh, we're struggling on. And uh, Dwayne Gracie has, I don't know, he's, he's made us a really, really great defensive team. Um, a stat that came up in the the Phoenix or not the Phoenix Suns? Uh, who do we play today? Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, uh, one of the stats that came up is that uh, right now we're sitting at number two in terms of point differentials in mm -hmm. uh, in the game, following behind uh, I think the Golden State Warriors and right ahead of the Houston Rockets. Yeah. So that obviously is uh, playing dividends, and we're top of the East. Honestly, I think it's just a, a defensive minded coach coming into the organization that has a clear system that he wants to run. There's a lot of people that come in, uh, especially the coaches, because the Raptors had a, a big turnover um, in the coaches' 
department in the last 10, 15 years before right. Dwayne Casey came. So we never really had someone that actually got to sit down, make a system, and see it grow within the franchise. I think it's just with Dwayne Casey having a system, having a game plan, having all of his players get on board with that system and game plan is showing the actual dividends to that point differential being so low um, compared to other people because we know we can score. Like 100 points is something of a, of a natural outcome in the in the NBA as a whole now. Right. It's if you can keep the other team under 100 points, that's when you actually have a chance to win games. Clearly, it's showing to work for Dwayne Casey. He's turned this team around. Four straight playoff berths. Uh, went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Like, it, it shows it and, and it's working. And shout out to Masai as well, too, because yes. when Masai took over uh, after Brian Colangelo. Just um, ran us to the ground. We had we had Dwayne Casey at that time, and he trusted Dwayne Casey. Usually, you have a like a GM swap or something like that, yeah, and he comes they'll be like, you know coach. what, I'm gonna bring in with my own team that I've worked with for a long time, and he trusted uh, Dwayne Casey and kept going with him, and, and that's where we are now. And it's working. Um, so a quick another move that the Raptors have done on the trade deadline here that passed on the 9th of February. It was a minor move, nothing big headlining deals that's happened uh, throughout the league on that date. We did move our draft pick from the 2014 draft. Uh, I do believe it was the 14 or 13 draft. Um, Bruno Caboco. Uh, we moved him for Malachi Richardson with the Sacramento Kings. It was a deal that we had Bruno going for Malachi pretty much straight up, I do believe. I don't think there's any picks on the back end no. or anything of that nature. Malachi Richardson, young player, second year in the league, coming out of Syracuse. More or less, I do believe this move was... to to try and bolster our, our farm system, get someone into the G League with a Raptors 905, get him some time on the court, see if he can um, make dividends in the in the long run there for us. It's also financial as well, too, because Bruno has been in the league for a few years. Uh, he's Coming up for a contract year exactly, as, well as, so. uh, as well. So he knew he, he wasn't going to get paid uh, to, to what NBA standards were, but he was expecting money. Yeah. Um, Malachi Richards has a couple more years on his contract. We don't have to it's make a commitment. Fresh for him for a couple more years. So that's a, another benefit on the side end. Um, I, I like what Malachi Richardson saw. This yeah. is uh, his first game on the, for the Raptors against the Charlotte Hornets. Came in for very garbage minutes. There was about three <laughs> minutes left in the fourth and the Raptors were just dominating the, the Hornets there. Didn't see anything bad from him. Yes, it was limited showing. Got a bucket here, a rebound there. Got lost in one defensive rotation with Ibaka. Um, growing pains. I'm I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah. Any team that you go to. Um, do you think this is going to help the Raptors in the long run? Or how do you feel about the Bruno Caboclo actually finally moving on? Um, I think it was definitely time that we got rid of him. Um, he didn't really contribute anything to us at all. Been a complete upset. Funny funny stat I saw about that actually. In the four years that Bruno Caboclo was a part of the Raptors organization, he only appeared in 25 games. It's worse than Joel Embiid. Not injured. Not <laughs> injured. Just... Just no need for him. That, yeah. I thought that was a funny stat, but sorry to cut you off there. And, uh, well, this move here, uh, this is the only move we did at the trade deadline, really. And I think what it is, is that uh, right now we have a pretty good team. There's no need to uh, shake things up. We were not desperate like the Cavs were. But um, it's, it's, it's a move that helps us free up some cap space so that if we do need to make moves over the summer, mm -hmm. I think that's when we're going to do it. It does. It does open up the door a lot. Um, and it's true because last year at the trade deadline, we were very desperate. We were a buying team. That's when we saw Ibaka got traded because it was right around trade deadlines when we got Serge Ibaka last year. And we know we needed that one piece. 
I, me being a Raptor fan and a supporter, I like not having to be in the desperate situation like other teams were, the, the Clippers, the Cavs, the Lakers, the Kings, to actually get deals done to make a playoff push. I like that we can just look down our bench. We have nine to ten guys that are solid core guys. Yeah, we could use a piece or two there to make it over the hump, but it, it wasn't a necessity like what the Cavaliers situation was where if they didn't get that piece, they were probably not going to be the top four in the East, which is unbelievable. Looking at the Raptors team, we were had a good core of people, didn't need to make any big moves to shake up the team, and we are still poised to look like we're taking first in the Eastern Conference, going into the playoffs with a strong position, which is just going to benefit our confidence going forward, especially with the young team that we have. Um, but going on, that was a good co- cover on the Raptors. They're on the little bit of moves that they made on the trade deadline date. Um, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the trade deadlines that actually happened here, let's do a brief update on the All-Star Weekend that's coming up this upcoming weekend on the 16th of February in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, another big shocking injury to a superstar on Team LeBron. And on Team Dan. Like, and on <laughs> Team Dan's fantasy team. Honestly, I don't even know where this is coming from. I, I've heard it passed around in the NBA circles that curse of LeBron James's team for the for the All-Star game. I don't really, I'm not the superstitious kind of guy. <laughs> don't like to get into those feeding of the, ooh, this is happening because of this happened. But honestly, I would not want to be drafted on Team LeBron by <laughs> seeing some of these season-ending injuries. Like, not just a couple weeks here, they're like season-ending or season-altering injuries that the LeBron James's uh, All-Star team has faced. The most recent casualty to the injury bug was Kristaps Porzingis, for the New York Knicks, tearing his left ACL. Yep. Um, he's going to get surgery for, for it. Yep, his surgery is already scheduled for the upcoming week here. I, first of all, before we even get into the All-Star team, how does this hurt the Knicks? Oh, man. The Knicks, honestly, I thought after this happened, I didn't think they were going to trade Willie Hernan Gomez because his his thing was he wanted the opportunity to play. Yep. And with Kristaps going down, I thought that was going to be his opportunity. But they traded him anyways. Um, I don't know. I think the Knicks, they weren't doing too well anyways, to be honest. It's fair. So, um, they, they were they, still in the playoff picture, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, low, <laughs> low in the weak East, but still yeah. playoff berth or even being in the conversation for playoffs, I would say would be a win for the Knicks. <clears throat> this blow... Who do you think benefits the most out of this? For in which sense? The Knicks. Like which player? Well, who would get the most time? Honestly, I think it opens the door for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, even though I think it was after since our last podcast, he got literally, literally <laughs> jumped over by Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I have to throw that out there. One of the best dunks I've ever seen in game. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dunk of the year? <laughs> yes, without a doubt. For right sure. Uh, but so, but it, it does open up the door for Tim Hardaway Jr. Now he's going to be the offensive threat on the team. He's going to get a lot of touches. Um, they played the the Raptors the other day here. Yes, they got blown out as well. But he got a lot of touches in the rotation. I, I think this is going to just help Tim Hardaway Jr. the most develop himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know when his next contract. I think he signed a new deal last year or the year before. So it's not anything big for that. Yeah. But just for his own player stock, I think this is going to help him the most. I think I definitely agree. Um like, pretty much him and Ennis Cantor were the yep. second and third options on the team. Um, I think this is also going to hopefully put Michael Beasley on the map as well, too. Yep, he needs to get the ball in his hands now. Yep. Uh, 
but I don't know. Fantasy wise, like if you're gonna look at a fantasy, I don't I don't know if you want to take a risk on Michael Beasley. Not at all. But hey, but speaking about fantasy, there I do have Ennis Cantor on my team. Um, since Kristaps went down, he has put up two 2020 games. <laughs> so Dan, I'm sorry, your team got a little bit hurt, but my team just got up in spades. So. Uh, speaking on that too, I'm a bit worried because of this team LeBron curse. Because the guy replacing him, uh, we talked about Kemba Walker. I also have Kemba Walker on my team, <laughs> and I have I have another All Star on Team LeBron on my team uh, with Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm wow. like I'm sweating here, man. <laughs> Honestly, I think they gotta just shut down this Team LeBron business and just change the name, make someone else the captain because this is serious. Um, I don't know about the Knicks. I, I hate to say right off the season, but with Kristaps going down the way he went down, even even looking into the future, they don't know if he's going to be ready for the season start of next year even. It, this might be a downfall for the Knicks organization that looked like they were on the up and up in the last couple of years. Um, best wishes to Kristaps. I hope the unicorn comes back in spades. I love watching him play. Um, he's a more agile, Dirk Nowitzki type of player. I, I love the game. Yep. Hopefully he does bounce back. But going over to the replacement in the All-Star game, like you alluded to, Kemba Walker, I thought he should have been in it three replacements ago. Um, before Dragic, yes, Drummond should have been in there as well. But, like, Kemba had to take four Al injuries. Al Horford, me. Like, it took four injuries to get Kemba in the game. That's that's a shame. Well, um, the biggest debate in this, uh, I, I also agree, I believe Kemba deserves to be in the All-Star game. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. But the debate here now is, did he deserve it over Ben Simmons? Mm. Yes and no. Yes, in the fact that I think he deserves it over Ben Simmons, purely because Kemba had a couple injuries at the start of the season. He hasn't played the whole half of the season. Um, but then the... No, he, he, he did deserve it more than Ben, purely because generally rookies and second-year players, especially rookies, don't go into the All-Star game let alone Ben Simmons is still up for Rookie of the Year, which I don't think is right anyways, because <laughs> this is technically his second season in the league. So, But if he is up for Rookie of the Year, then no, he should not be in the All-Star game. Um, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Win Rookie of the Year, All-Star bid every single year of your, of your career. That's unless not, you're Blake that's, Griffin. <laughs> unless you're Blake Griffin. But still, I don't think Blake Griffin should have got that anyways as well. A lot of hearsay... Um, Yes, I don't, I don't think Ben Simmons is getting snubbed as much as Kemba Walker. Yes, Ben Simmons still has his rookie all-star rising star game that right. he's a part of. Um, I know it's not the big game that everyone wants to get into. He is still a part of the all-star weekend festivities where Kemba was not going to be in it at all. So I do think Kemba was rightly deserved for the replacement of Chris Tapps. In, in regards to Ben Simmons, uh, the argument here is that uh, Ben Simmons posted this himself too. Mm. Uh, when he first got snubbed with, uh, I think... And Andre Drummond, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're saying, okay, well, what are they looking at there? Are they looking at stats or are they looking at wins, team wins, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I think it was uh, they're looking at stats because Andre Drummond's putting up monster stats. He's almost a 20 and 15 right? kind of guy average of the season. Right. So then he's like, okay, well, if we're looking at our stats, I kill Kemba in stats mm -hmm. other than maybe three-pointers three and yeah. points per game. And field goal percentage. Right, but... Well, oh, no, he's, he's beating Kemba on field goal percentage. Is he? Yeah, he's, oh. shooting, he's shooting like 50-60%. Oh. Free throw percentage is where he struggles. Oh, yeah. Free th and three-pointers. <clears throat> uh, and, yeah, so Ben Simmons is killing him. He's got the good field, uh, field goal percentage, rebounds, assists, steals. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so in regards to that, he believes that based on stats, he deserves to be in more than Kemba. That's true. But then uh, and when you look at wins, his, his team, team is also ahead as well too. That's true. So if he's only behind in points and threes, like well, he's thinking, why, why did Kemba get it over me? Where he does make a valid argument, I think it is a valid point. But I, I think it goes back to being the, the age because I just don't believe rookies. I, I don't know for a fact, but I don't. LeBron didn't make the also game in his rookie season. Not in the rookie, but he did in sophomore In the year. sophomore year. So, but then again, it's going back to Ben Simmons is up for rookie of the year this right. year. So, yes, it's his sophomore, but he's still considered a rookie. It's kind of weird how, he, how he's being rated. If it was up to me, he wouldn't have been up for rookie of the year. He would be able to go to the All-Star game because it's not his rookie season anymore. Right. You get even though you're not playing day to day, you get the experience of knowing what is generally going to happen in a yeah. season where a true rookie like Kuzma and the Lonzo Balls and the stuff like that have absolutely no idea what they can be expecting in this upcoming season. Um, so I feel like it's a little bit of an unfair advantage. But Ben, if you win Rookie of the Year, you can't be salty that you didn't get the All Star because you can't be the All Star. You can't be Rookie of the Year. You can't make All NBA First Team and All NBA rookie first team like things like that it's i think for ben uh hopefully this is motivation i think it is motivation because he recently has been balling out yep um i think kemba getting into the all-star lineup uh being snubbed a few times that was also motivation because since then in the past like 15 games he's been putting up like 20 30 couple Mm -hmm. 40 point games as well like he's he's balling out right now as well so I think these kind of things are great to motivate these type of players. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if, if Ben Simmons had a three-point shot, he would have been selected over Kemba easily. That's that's the one thing that he needs to improve on. And I feel I, I agree with that. I don't even think it's just a three-point shot. I think it's just some consistency in the jumper outside the paint. Yeah. Like, he has, he has a very limited mid-range game. It's mostly getting into the paint or fast break. Like right. That's all he really has. Um, so I agree. Uh, but Ben Simmons still has time to grow. So... It's sure. not going to be his only chance of making an all-star game. Like, He's almost going to be a guaranteed all-star for the next four, five, six years in a row. Yeah, he's going to be there for a while. Yeah, so it's not like, oh, he misses it this year. This is my one shot. Like, It could very well be for Kemba or the Victor Oladipos or people like that that are their one. Get it while it's good. Their breakout season. Yeah. Might never see it again. Exactly. But it, it, Ben Simmons, you are going to be a... a, a a focal point in future All-Star games. You have to bide your bide your time one more year. Um, moving over to the next uh, All-Star replacement that happened. Unfortunately, the former NBA dunk champion, Aaron Gordon, he, yeah. he won the last year, I, I do believe. I think so. I, that last year's dunk contest was not one of the better ones. Um, it had its moments, but it wasn't the greatest. But uh, Aaron Gordon did get a hip flexor, which put him out of the running for this year's dunk contest, which is where he is going to be replaced by rookie Donovan Mitchell, um, which is very exciting for a lot of fans, especially the Utah Jazz fans. Um, he's been putting up highlight dunks week in, week out. I'm looking forward to see what this young kid has. Spider Mitchell. Uh, how do you feel about this replacement? Did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? Were there other people you were looking at? Um, I think this is a very interesting one because, um, yeah, we know he can dunk. We know he can dunk in game. Yep. But uh, can he Can he? dunk for a dunk competition it's creativity right so i have no idea i haven't seen him because he like donovan mitchell isn't a guy to 
play to be flashy. He's not he's not playing to show off his moves. He's playing to win, mm-hmm. right? He he makes good shots. He makes takes uh, has very good shot selection, passes the ball when he needs to, and when he dunks, it's usually cutting to the lane or a fast uh, a breakaway, oh, fast break, right? Yeah. So um, even on those, he's not doing windmill dunks or anything like that. Like the power dunks. Yeah. So. I don't know. I'm excited to see what he does have. If he does have something in his back pocket that we haven't seen yet. Um, me too. Um, he's a, one of the guards. He is a guard player that, that that can fly. He has ups. So it's just to see how creative he can be with the hang time that he does possess. I think they got it right. There's no other real splash in the pan, especially in the last this season with uh, highlight dunks other than um, Giannis. Giannis, <laughs> yes, but then he comes with the length. Like, true. I don't know if he has time to do a lot of tricks in there because they had the same thing with DeAndre Jordan, right. where he came in a couple years, but all his dunks were just power dunks, like with length. Yeah, at this point, we know he can dunk over a six six player <laughs> and clear <laughs> him without ducking or anything. Yeah. And it's not going to be as impressive if it's not in a game. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and would it be that impressive when he is a six nine, six almost seven feet tall? When he puts his hands up, he's like eight yeah, his feet wingspan. tall. It, it, it's he only jumps like half a foot and he's dunking the ball. So it wouldn't be as impressive. That's why I like the Donovan Mitchell pickup. I think that was a perfect selection. Have yeah. the two young studs with Dennis Smith Jr. and Donovan Mitchell going head to head. I can't wait for this dunk contest. I think it's yeah. going to be great. Um, I do. Unfortunately, I am missing my buddy Aaron Gordon. I thought he was going to be nice, uh, but he I was, still he was my pick for the dunk competition. He is. You, you're going to have to make a new pick, <laughs> but I like. I still like my pick in Larry Nance Jr. Just to see how creative he can be. Now that he is with a new team, he is getting another set of opinions. I'm sure by new teammates, LeBron James, the J.R. Smiths, the people on the Cavaliers roster, putting their input on how they can benefit him in the dunk contest. I think Larry Nance is just going to be even better now after this deal. Um, but now that uh, Gordon's gone here, who, who do you have as winning the dunk contest this season? Oh, man. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you guys and say it's going to be Larry Nance Jr. Like, that guy's that guy's super athletic. No love for the young guys? We got Dennis Smith. Um, we have Smith Jr. We have Mitchell. No? I, I'm a big fan of these power dunks. Mm-hmm. And, like, when it comes to power dunks, it's Mitchell and uh, Larry Nance Jr., Who's the last guy? That, like um, we don't even talk about him. No, that's true. It's Aaron Gordon. I can't even remember. It was supposed to be Aaron Gordon, Donovan uh, well, Mitchell's new. I, I can't here. remember who's the last guy. We have it in the notes not. somewhere on the paper. But. Yeah. So if you give me two seconds, we can definitely figure this out. <laughs> Point is, um, I don't know. I feel like maybe even Zach Levine. Zach Levine looks good right now. He could have. Yeah, he could have came in. Um, yeah. He wasn't in the national, the the regular picks, however. No. But I think it's going to be actually. We can't find our note here. Who's the last <laughs> person here? So definitely, guys, you got to send out a comment there so we can follow up next week. There, however, I do believe it was supposed to be Larry Nance, Dennis Dennis Smith Jr., Aaron Gordon. Um, <laughs> yeah, no clue who that last guy is. Not at all. <clears throat> But, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't so, matter. I was going to say, I yeah, don't think we were going to pick him anyways. No, neither do I. I, I still think it's going to be Larry Nance Jr. Um, was it Lori? No, no. I don't think so. But whatever. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but moving on, uh, still excited for the dunk contest as, as a whole. Three-point contest is usually what I'm looking forward to as well. Um, but I know we, we talked a lot about the All-Star game in this podcast, last podcast as well. We can move on to a quick segment here that I know that, Dan, you wanted to touch a base on a little bit was the Troy Daniels fight. Uh, Troy Daniels and the Will Barton fight. 
on the Phoenix Suns Denver Nuggets game that happened earlier last week. There, yeah. I'll let you take it away there, Dan. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break this story down into multiple parts. Some mm-hmm. of them is not even gonna be relevant. But first of all, it has to do with the road trip and podcast with Channing and uh, Richard Jefferson. <laughs> so. Uh, if you guys don't know what that is, originally they were both like Cavaliers and they started this podcast last year and they pretty much do it in a hotel room uh, when they're on a road trip. And uh, since Richard Jefferson got traded to the Nuggets, he started doing the podcast, uh, a continuation of the podcast from the Nuggets um, road trips. Road trips and, stuff. and recently he had a uh, segment with Mason Pumley. Um, Will Barton, Gary Jerry Harris, Harris. and uh, Will Barton was uh, he was he was chirping off and uh, you know talking a lot of smack on the podcast, basically saying everyone on the Phoenix Suns team should be in the G League except for Devin Booker and T.J. Warren. I'm sure he meant uh, Tyson Chandler in that in that uh, as well, but I don't believe he said it. But sorry, continue there. So. Because of his comments here, and they faced the Phoenix Suns, I think, uh, yesterday or something like that. Mm. Um, I guess during the game, there's a lot of smack talk going back and forth. Let's, to the point where Will Barton rushes Troy Daniels, and there's like a scuffle. Let's just say that a lot of those Phoenix Suns people took that comment personally. Um, how could you not <laughs> take that personally? Um, and that would make me start doing a little bit of trash talking in the next game that I would see those Denver Nuggets uh, uh, on the court. So, yeah, some people take an exception to the, the comments that were made on the podcast. Um, definitely took it the wrong way where there was an altercation on the court between Will Barton and Troy Daniels. Um, the grittiness, I, I expect it from a player like Will Barton, who is a, a very gritty player, high-flying um, I thought it was definitely called for being if I was a Phoenix Suns player. They're taking shots at me. I'm going to take shots back at you at the court. I wouldn't have expected him to blow up the way that he did. Um, but I thought it was uh, I thought it was good basketball to watch. I, I was ent- entertained. Uh, I like it. Will Barton. I picked him up after dropping Christoph Porzingis. So um, hopefully, like he's going to at least play to uh, equal to what comes out of his mouth at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I I love it and and the good thing about the the road tripping podcast is that it's a uh, it's an outlet for players to say whatever the hell they want they're 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 what is it called they're uh, Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry they pretty much want players coming onto their podcast to voicing their own opinion yeah like it's not it's not a radio or a media segment where they're talking to interviewers just say whatever the hell you want. No filter. Yep. Just Take let it, the fans know who you are. Right? right from the player's mouth. That's the only way you know that anything's true nowadays. I know um, during the trade rumors, LeBron James had a big uh, a big quote that was saying that if you didn't hear it from me, it's not true. Yeah. I think the main thing about this podcast is saying if you hear it from my mouth here, this is exactly what I'm feeling. There's no filters. There's no people in the middle miscommunicating um, information. So I think it's very. Uh, I think it's a great outlet. Uh, I yeah. love it. I, I'd like to see what. Well, how this is going to happen going forward. If there's going to be any more of these direct call-outs that people have going forward here, uh, it's good to see. Um, actually, going back to the last point here, we did find the replace not the replacement, but the missing person in the dunk contest. It's actually Victor Oladipo. Oh. We did forget it was Victor Oladipo. Uh, he can fly. He can. There's a lot of guards. I think it's all guards. This yeah. Long, maybe Nance Jr. is a well, yeah, four, exactly a three-four. 
Um, it's a very guard-heavy uh, dunk contest. So we have Victor Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith, Smith Jr., as well as Larry Nance, rounding out these dunk contests this uh, upcoming weekend. I think that's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, now knowing it's Victor Oladipo, any any changes to your to your your pick? No, I still think Larry Nance yeah, is going to kill it. Yeah, it's still going to be Larry Nance to me. <laughs> um, so great. Going forward here, um, moving on to the one of the last topics here uh, of the show today. It's definitely all the major trades that happened on this upcoming trade deadline. One of the most active trade deadlines in the NBA that I can remember in the last couple of years here. Um, a lot of teams getting a part of the action. Um, mainly, of course, is the Cleveland Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, being the main movers this season um, going at the trade deadline. They pretty much blew up their roster. They're, I think out of the 15-man roster that each team is allowed to have, they did lose six, six to seven out of their – six people out of six. that roster, bringing in four and draft picks and caps – well, a little bit of cap space, not much cap space. Yeah. Um, just to start off, Cavs, all the Cavs movements, yay or nay? Did you think it benefited them or not? Well, starting off with the most important one, in my opinion, was um, Channing Fry to the Lakers. Because mm-hmm. uh, my biggest worry here was what's going to happen with the road trip and podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was already going from two different locations. I think it will be fine going from LA and Denver, yeah. from Denver to Cleveland. So from from that podcast we just mentioned uh, with, with Richard Jefferson and those Nuggets boys, um, Ali Clifton from the Cavaliers, the sideline reporter, she had uh, right before that episode, she pretty much said, "Like, look, we're gonna continue the road trip in podcast. I'm gonna keep doing it here in Cleveland, and no pressure on Channing, but we'll see if he continues to do it out in Hollywood." Mm. So we're we have no response from Channing yet. We'll see if he does. Uh, I think it would be really interesting because the Lakers. On the road trip and podcast, that'll be exciting. There's a lot of young guys with a lot of stuff to say there. And you're going to get a lot of LeVar Ball stuff. A lot of LeVar Ball stuff. But then again, <laughs> see, coming out of the Lakers camp, they like to keep a lot of things in-house. Would they allow Channing Fry to have such a free public um, media outlet that that would have to be monitored being a Lakers organization? I don't I know, know if it's that heavily monitored because like, he's exactly. doing it his own, on his own. Exactly. Right? So, but... With the Lakers, they would have to give up a lot of their their freedom of, of like speech and like I think they would try and reel in the freedom that Channing Fry has, and I don't know if he would like that. So I I, I would like to see if they would even allow him to continue doing the podcast uh, throughout know. the season because I know a Lake, the Lakers organization like to keep a lot of things behind closed doors. Because uh, yeah, I don't I don't know like Channing, he's a guy that doesn't stop talking like he just doesn't mm-hmm. shut up. Um, now that Richard Jefferson and Channing Fire are gone from the Cavaliers, I feel like there's going to be a lot less talking there, which is going to be interesting. But uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe if he's there, he might actually get Lonzo to talk because Lonzo doesn't say much no, either. He does, yeah, he stays on the camera a lot. <laughs> um, actually, like you said, there was a lot of young guys, but you don't really hear a lot of talking out of the Lakers camp as Other of right than now. like Kuzma. Yeah, Kuzma. <laughs> and, and then he's still very somewhat soft-spoken as an NBA star. Yeah. Yes, he's a rookie, so he's not at that statue yet. But like you don't hear a lot coming out of Brandon Ingram at all. Julius Randle doesn't really speak a lot. Right. Um, and even the Lakers people that, that left in this trade, the Jordan Clarks and Larry Nance Jr., very quiet people. They're not in the media a lot. Right. Um, so maybe maybe this is gonna get them out of their shell, and now we can actually hear a lot from the Lakers camp. Um, but do you want to introduce that that main mega trade that had 
everybody's NBA Twitter feeds, Instagram feeds blowing up was this mega deal that was between the Cavaliers, the Lakers, as well as the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, so um, like I said, Channing Fry went to the Lakers. Along with Channing Fry, they got Isaiah Thomas, who was big the big, big piece coming from the Kyrie Irving trade over the summer. Yep. Um, he was, he's already played his first game with the Lakers at this point. Yep. Um, played a really good game as well, too. Good offensive game. I don't know about defensively. He's right. still kind of slow <laughs> out there. And uh, But, I mean, this is very interesting because the past 15 games that he had with the Cavaliers, he was struggling, shooting like 30-something percent. And it wasn't up until really the last game that he had with the Cavaliers where he was starting to hit his shots, right? And I don't know, the whole situation, were you surprised that IT got traded? If you told me at the start of the season, by trade deadline, Isaiah Thomas was going to get moved again, I would have called you a damn fool liar. Like, no way, impossible, 100%, no way. He was in the MVP talk last season, coming off an injury, yes, but he was still a very good player. No, I would have said you were a liar. In the last two weeks, with what he's been saying about oh. the organization, it was a no-brainer he had to get moved. It, if he, you didn't move him here now, you would have to sit with him all the way to the playoffs. And if that kind of negative attitude was going in the playoffs, no way the, the Cavaliers were coming out of the East. He, he definitely, uh, as I don't know who said it, but uh, one of the NBA players there, he was like, he pretty much talked him into a trade, talked Wait, himself into he, a trade. He really did. Talked himself out of town. He did. And... Um, yeah, the all that locker room drama and stuff of like that with Kevin Love. Yeah, I feel like it was going to be one of those two, if they're not working together, well, somebody has to go. Yes. Um. There's there's all those rumors about guards, not on the same page. New guards, old mm-hmm, guards. Mm-hmm. We see uh, Iman Shumpert also get traded. Yep. Um, Jay Crowder is gone. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that Tristan Thompson and Jr. were going to get traded. Jr. stayed. So, so did Tristan. So is was it between IT and JR? Maybe IT taking up too much of the ball, JR not getting his shots? JR's been hitting his shots recently. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. I, I do believe that this drama had to be addressed. And now with these moves, I think it's a clear, clear example who was involved in this drama inside the locker room. Because when seven people get shipped, six people get shipped off, you can tell there was two or the three bad apples in that bunch. Um, one person that we didn't really talk about there, as well as a guard that was that could have been in the in the ref, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, Dwayne Wade also got moved as well. He could have been butting heads with J.R. Smith, especially because they've already butted heads at the start of the season about coming off the bench, who was the starter. Um, that could have been a feeding into the fight. Um, Isaiah Thomas was trying to look for shots. Amon Shumpert took a backseat to all of these players as well. Jay Crowder wasn't really what they were expecting from the deal in Boston. They really wanted a 3 yeah. and D where he just wasn't there for him. I think with Jay, the situation with Jay was that um, they they brought him over because of his defensive mind. Yep. And the thing is, with defense and the Cavaliers, it seemed like they didn't have system. any defense at all. Because it, it, it's a system. Right? So, Especially coming out of Boston, because like, Isaiah Thomas not being a strong defender, this isn't news. This right. is this is evident. Like we knew this was happening even his days in Boston or even before that in Sacramento. But the reason why he was still an MVP candidate last year in Boston, as well as Boston being number one in the East, the system that they were playing in. Yes. The Marcus you Smart. You trust your teammates to help to you. To be out. there behind you when you needed it. Marcus Smart, a great system defender. 
Jay Crowder, great system defender. Avery Bradley, great system defender. So the reason, it's just that it got escalated Isaiah Thomas' defensive inabilities because he's not in a good system. Mm -hmm. So having Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder come from a great defensive system to this, and now people are pointing fingers like, oh, these guys are pylons on defense. No, they were always good defenders. They still are decent enough defenders if they're put in the right system where the Cavaliers have no system. It's give the ball to LeBron and let him create. Right. And the way that the Cavaliers were playing defense, they had so many veterans and the veterans in their lazy. head are, yeah, they're lazy. They're not playing as hard defense man-to-man uh, -man, mm -hmm. and they're pretty much playing expecting to get help. Yep. Like, you know what? We're just going to direct them into help and people are not rotating to help. Yep. And now with the whole team change up with these younger guys these younger hungrier guys mm -hmm. i think that's going to help a lot with their defense and on jay crowder's point i don't think his defense is bad i still think he can bring back that boston defense but if he's the only one paying playing defense and he's looking at the rest of the team like what the hell are, are these guys? guys doing like why is he gonna try so hard right agreed so i think that's that's what it was with jay crowder agreed um, but I think it's going to be, especially with the youth that the Cavaliers just got injected into their team, I think this is going to help them with their, their defensive, their needs. Um, one, because like to your one point, they are shading their guys into help and waiting for help to come. But when you have no re real rim protectors, other than Tristan Thompson, who's getting, what, 15 minutes a game maybe, um, who's going to be there for your help? No one's there to, who's hungry for defensive help. Right. So them leading it to the man in the middle, but no one's in the middle. That's where they're getting beat. Yeah. Um. And it, like you said as well, they're veteran guys who are trying to save energy on the offensive end because they are very an offensive-minded player. Right. Of off my offensive-minded team. Um. I think this new uh youthful insurgence into the Cavaliers is going to pay dividends not for just this year. I think for years to come. Plus, these guys that have been brought in, they're longer. They're taller. Yes. Athletic. Youth. Um, so just I saw another stat here. The average age of the six players that got shipped out of the Cavaliers was average. I think it was 32, 33 years oh, of age. God. The four people that they brought in, average age was 26. So it's like you just had a, a change of six to seven years right. within 10 players. That's huge to your average age of your team. Definitely. And they still got to hang on to the number one round pick. round pick from the Nets, which to me... I don't even understand how that's possible. So just to bring up the actual trade here, total trade for the Cavaliers and the Lakers. Going over to LA was Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry, the Cavaliers 2018 first round draft pick. It is top three protected. It's not going to be top three anyway, so it's okay. okay. Um, and then going to the Cavs, we have the youth in Jordan Clarkson, as well as youthful Larry Nance Jr. On paper... Yes, the bigger names went to the Cavan to the Lakers. Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, somewhat known in the NBA, both of them. Um, but the reason why I believe the Cavaliers, from this trade alone, came out on top, one, they gave people to LeBron where he can see but beyond this one year. So yes, like looking past this year, looking at your team with Dwayne Wade, Isaiah Thomas, who are getting up there in age, there's nothing you can really build around. Looking at next year that you have Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., and George Hill, who was made on a different deal, there was pieces that I can build with for not just one year. It could be for two, three, four years in the, in, down the road, which could help LeBron James make that sign back 
at the end of the season to stay with Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, Speaking of that, do you think he will sign there? Going to that, I, I <laughs> do. It, it's kind of weird. So with this trade, if the Lakers aren't able to sign LeBron James at the end of this year, this would have been the biggest blunder that Magic Johnson's ever made with the with the Lakers. He's cleared up cap space for two super max uh, contract players from this deal, which is hopefully that he's going to be signing Paul George or LeBron James or a super max kind of player. Um, but now with this trade, he's put life, they pumped life back into the Cavaliers organization by having those two youthful people still having a top draft pick coming next year to get even more youthful and someone that LeBron James can mentor. Like LeBron James is a, he's a coach, he's a GM, he's a mentor. Mm -hmm. He likes these young players to impart his kingly wisdom that he has to these guys. So I believe that's another reason for him to stay in his hometown team, the Cavaliers. So this trade just gave the Cavaliers so much ammunition to go and re-sign LeBron James to that Supermax deal next year. So in all honesty, I do think he re-signs because of this deal. The Lakers only made this deal to clear cap space to re-sign LeBron James. To sign yeah. LeBron James. I, I just don't understand how you don't get the Nets pick. I don't think it would have been as bad as a, of a trade if they got that Nets pick because then they would have got a top 10 to 15 player coming in the draft pick. You have Isaiah Thomas, who's going to put butts in the seats for this season at least. Channing Fry, who can stretch the floor and hit some threes for you. Maybe still have room for that super max player to get Paul George to come over or and Anthony play with Davis. I, or Anthony Davis to come and play with Isaiah Thomas, Lonzo Ball, Kuzma, Ingram, who still has youth. They had to get that Nets pick. I don't know how they did it. But uh, honestly, I think LeBron's going to stay. Uh, I think IT did a really good job. Uh, well, not IT, sorry. The Lakers did a good job in getting uh, IT. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think the Lakers locker room does need somebody who's been in the league for a while. The oldest guy that they have on the team is like Luol Deng, who they're trying to get rid of. Yeah. So they need some sort of leadership there. And uh, with Lonzo Ball currently being out, um, I think I think it is a pretty good guy a to have in there. And he uh, he wants to win. He's he's a fighter, mm -hmm. and he's from LA as well too. Is he? I believe so. Um, he's uh, he's always dreamed about being uh, playing for the Lakers as well. So actually, I know I, I think you were right. I I was watching a lot of um, Isaiah Thomas Player Tribune. Uh, Great Twitter feed, great website. You guys have to check that out. Uh, Players Tribune. There was a great video on Isaiah Thomas. I think he is from Los Angeles, but he was born and raised in Washington State. Mm. Um, so I know he played in Washington University or somewhere out there. But no, I think you are right. But going back to the Western co Coast for him is going to be beneficial for his career, I do believe. For sure. Um, and who, who else got traded? We had Shump leaving. Shumpert, okay, so all the main trades from that are revolving the Cavaliers, they have Isaiah Thomas leaving, Fry leaving. They also have Jay Crowder leaving, Derek Rose left. They also do have Amon Shumpert who left with them as well. Dwayne Wade. The Kings. Um, so Amon Shumpert went to the Kings there. We have Jay Crowder, Derek Rose going to the Jazz. With Dwayne Wade going back to his alma mater, Miami Heat, where he had mo all of his success, actually. Uh, not most, all of his success. Cavs pretty much gave him away for free. For a 2024 second-round pick, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's heavily protected. So it's not going to be for cheap. Um, 
so I, I that was a, a big move as well. Any other major deals that the Cavaliers were a part of? No. Not really. Um, but there was a lot of people that got <clears throat> moved out. But coming into the Cavaliers organization, there was the alpha mentioned Jordan Clarkson, Larry Dance Jr., George Hill, who's a proven experienced guard, Ronnie Hood, who's an experienced scorer in the league as well, who plays a lot of defense. And they got a nice draft rights uh, player as well for the up-and-coming future. That does just entice LeBron James even more. They have a, a great pick coming, rights to another good player, good youth, good point guard, and the playmaker that, they, that he needed. If you guys remember last year, LeBron was saying they need a playmaker. So what did they do? They went and got Derrick Rose, uh, uh, an injured Derrick Rose, and Isaiah Thomas. Those are not playmakers at all. But now with George Hill is a playmaker. Jordan Clarkson is a playmaker. So this is literally what LeBron was asking for on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be great. Um, so I know with this trade as well with the Cavaliers, the ultimate winner, yes, 100% for the immediate future is the Cavaliers. For the twenty eight, the rest of the 2018 season, the Cavaliers are outright the winners of this trade deadline. Do you think that's enough to put them at the top of the East? Are they going back to the NBA Finals? Even without this trade, I would say yes, because you have LeBron James. No matter what, if you have LeBron James on your team, you have a shot to go to the conference finals. He's proven it for the last eight years in a row. Speaking of which, like I think the most interesting thing ever was that one game that they had on Thursday. I think it was Thursday or Friday after the trade. Um, LeBron James was basically playing with starters Jose Calderon, yep. uh, Jetty Osman, uh, J.R. Smith. Tristan Thompson. A blown-up team. They had yeah, th- that Corver, Jeff Green. Basically, those f- guys and a couple of bench guys, they played at the end because they they won by a blowout. Yeah. And, like, I think six of their guys scored in double, double digits. digits. Like... Because I think... Because, <laughs> honestly, I think this deal just breathed life into LeBron James knowing I have help coming. I'm going to turn my season around. Because... Even though they were struggling, I was one of the believers that thought the Cavaliers had a, a hidden switch. That, yes, they were struggling in the month of January, early February, even late December, going from the Christmas break. They were struggling, but they had a switch that they could have flipped on and then just went to the Cavaliers of old. I think one of the big things is that they got rid of players who are playing for themselves. Yes. And the, even, even with the guys that they played with the other night, they're all guys that are playing for the team. They're all playing for LeBron. Like yeah. they're they're not guys that are looking out to get their own. They're pretty much one Batman and a shitload of Robins. Actually I was gonna say that exact quote that George Hill came out and said he said when he came to the Cavaliers, he's like, it's clear that they have a good Batman, but they need all of us to be the Robin. Which I believe with this new youthful resurgence, I keep saying that word because it, it is a resurgence to the Cavaliers franchise. Yeah. I think this is exactly what they needed. They got people that know their role. They're not looking to be a superstar because I remember I saw um, I was watching on TNT with um, Jalen Rose and Jalen um, Rose that was saying it. They've had these people that have played with a superstar before. Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. all played with Kobe Bryant who was a super mega star. Yeah. So they know how to play behind a guy like that where Dwayne Wade never really... Yes, he played with LeBron James, but he was never clearly behind LeBron James. And when they were playing together, it was like a double Batman Exactly. Situation. So he was never behind a, a superstar. Even when he played with Shaq, I he st- wasn't behind Shaq. I still don't think that 
Dwayne Wade was an issue for the Cavaliers. I still think they could have kept him. It's just more so like I think it was more so thinking um, it's a clear and cap space move. Yep. And what is the best situation for Dwayne Wade? Because at the end of the day, he's thinking about his family who's still in Miami. Yep. He's only here with his wife. Um, and he said he wanted to go back to the Miami and retire as a Miami Heat. He did. But speaking of what's best for Dwayne Wade, would this move be the best for his playing career, his professional career? Yes, it's outside of the game. His family's there. He clearly situated his life there because he was right there. He was in uh, Miami for about like nine, almost ten years. So, yes, outside of the game of basketball, he is there. Is the situation on the court in Miami the best fit for an aging Dwayne Wade? Right. I don't think so. I think I think what it is for him, because uh, since being traded here, he's had an interview, and he's basically saying, I'm going to stay here until I retire. And I think he's accepted the role of basically being a leader now and teaching the young guys. Mm. He's not looking out to get his own anymore. No. And I think you can kind of tell that already in the past few years of him slowly accepting it because just in how he reacts, like even in the finals, he comes to the Cavaliers games to support his bro. Um, he, he doesn't have that mentality of, I'm super hungry for another ring. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's already accomplished all the things he set out to do and he's pretty happy. So, so instead of going for the championship, do you think this is more or less padding his Miami Heat legacy? So, so he can be that clear-cut franchise. He's already leading in points. He's already right. leading in games. He's already leading in, in X amount of factors for the franchise of Miami Heat. So do you think this is just going to be padding numbers to ferment his Miami Heat legacy? And I think it's also with post-NBA career, maybe he's going to have something for the organization. Hey, never know. Right? So Very that's what I think it is, mending that relationship with Pat Riley. That's true. Actually, I think his relationship with Pat Riley is still great because it looked like this deal that he made to go to the Bulls was for Dwayne Wade. This was a favor for Dwayne Wade. Like you mentioned here for uh, Cleveland moving him to Miami, it's because somewhat of a favor to Dwayne Wade. Um, going to play with the Bulls in his hometown of Chicago was somewhat of a favor for Dwayne Wade. He, he always wanted to play with Chicago, but yeah. the drama behind it was that it wasn't worth it. Miami Heat weren't giving him what he wanted. So yeah. that's why he left. Mm. But, uh, I mean, that part of it, I think there was a bit of a flux between him and Pat Riley. Mm. But I think they gotten over it. And, uh, you know, he's back it's, home. it's time to correct things, yeah. basically. You know, he, we both made home. a mistake there. Let's, let's, let's bring you back home where you belong. Fair. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I honestly think the Cavaliers made a couple good picks. I think Dwayne Wade was not a fit for the way the Cavaliers were playing. Um, well, I guess he was a fit for the way the Cavaliers were playing, but the way the Cavaliers were playing was not good right, basketball. Right, right. So it's like, so something <laughs> he, had he to get. He did good off the bench. Yes, he, he, he was played a leader good off the bench. basketball. It's just that the Cavaliers organization as a whole wasn't playing good basketball. Right. Um, so he was one of the expendable pieces that needed to move. Now, speaking about uh, going back home, uh, it's not really going back home to Chicago per se. But there is a guy involved in the trade who will be probably waived by the team that they went to, D. Rose. And he could possibly be going back to see teammates Taj Gibson and Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and coach Tom Thibodeau with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because it's already in the work that Derrick Rose is looking to be bought out from the Utah Jazz that he just landed there with um, and go to a playoff bound contending team 
um, just for the, the the insight there. I don't like the fit of Derrick Rose and the Timberwolves, especially because they do have Jeff Teague still. Um, I don't know if he's banged up or I know he was banged up before, but I don't know if he's back here yet. I don't think it would be a good fit in the system. Um, however, what coach knows him better than Tom Thibodeau, who's right. coached him to his MVP year right. um, in Chicago in, with the Bulls. So I, I do think that fit would be good. But honestly, an aging uh, aging Derrick Rose with two terrible knees, a couple bad ankles, like uh, I, for me, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend D Rose as I have all year. Uh, <laughs> I believe this is gonna be great for him. Uh, he, I, okay, maybe I don't believe he's gonna get back to his MVP no. uh, self, but I believe this is gonna be a good move for him because, like I said last year, he had a great season with the Knicks, uh, even though. Um, not a lot was said about him. It was very low-key. But he did have a really good year with the Knicks. Um, with with the Minnesota Timberwolves, we know he's not going to be a focal point in their offense Nowhere. or nothing. They've got Andrew Wiggins. They've got Jeff T. They've got Carl Anthony Downs. they got Jimmy Butler. Yeah, they got buckets. they got but Taj Gibson for the what, rebound. What they can do is they can put D. Rose and that Chicago offense that they had with Tom Dibodeau coming off the bench. Because in the past, that was what worked for them. That is what brought them to multiple playoffs. And because D. Rose is not in his prime anymore, they could still maybe use that off the bench and still run their new offense with Cat and those guys with the youth, with the with the with the starting lineup. Fair. Um, I do think he'd be a good presence in the locker room. Um, matters on what they gotta pay him for it, but I, <laughs> I don't know about anywhere- the locker room because apparently he doesn't talk a lot. True. He's very <laughs> self, and he and he just walks away from teams in the middle of something to do personal stuff. Um, I don't. I loved Derrick Rose. Don't get me wrong. When he came out of Memphis, he was the man. Yeah. He won the Rookie of the Year. He won an MVP in his first five years. Youngest he MVP. He was a G. Now, <laughs> uh, Derrick Rose, I love you, bro. I, I, I would not put my GM career on the line to pick up a Derrick Rose that hasn't really done... He had a, a quiet year in the Knicks last year. The Knicks as a whole had a pretty mediocre season last year anyways. I I wouldn't go out of the way to pick up Derrick Rose. Um, I wish him the best. I, I just don't see him being an NBA super contributor no. like years past. Yeah, even, I don't think even, he'll be a super contributor. Even a role player off the bench. Like I don't, I don't see it happening. I hope it happens. I like Derrick Rose. He was exciting to watch. But then the reason why he was so exciting was his athleticism, which he doesn't have anymore because of his knee injuries and his ankle injuries. He still has some nice plays, even with the Cavs. Yeah. But, but it, I think maybe in the right system, as, with yes. a coach that knows him, yes. it, but it could work. Tom Thibodeau knows the super athletic Derrick Rose. This is a different guy. He is a different player. I don't care what people say. You can't put him at the top of the key, tell him to dribble his man to sleep, blow by him, and throw it down on three guys, which was what he was doing in the ball, in the Bulls organization in his MVP year. He, he's just not that guy anymore. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how he does. I, I hope he lands on his feet. Um, but another buyout moving to a potential playoff-bound team, Joe Johnson. It's only been official that he has been bought out from the Sacramento Kings, and it's rumored that he is come, um, committed. committed. That's the word. Committed to the Houston Rockets organization. Pros or cons for going to the Rockets with Joe Johnson, the vet. 
Um, honestly, I don't think Joe Johnson is too relevant anymore. Like he's he's an old dude, and coming off the bench, like you still have Eric Gordon coming off the bench, like he's gonna be taking most of your shots. So I don't see how he's gonna have that huge of an impact, to be honest. That's fair. Um, I still, you're totally right. He he won't be getting a lot of shots in the regular offensive game. It comes down to when you are tied with six, six seconds left against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Imagine the lineup where you have Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, Joe Johnson, Clint Capella just get rebounds. Who's going to take the last shot? Right. I would give that shot to any one of those first four guys. Any one of them, I would be confident taking the very last shot in the game. That's unbelievable. To think of that, you have four closers... Okay, Eric Gordon, I don't know how, how much of a closer he is. Chris Paul was the closer in the, in the Clippers. Wasn't the greatest, but the Clippers organization was kind of weak. James Harden is a closer. You know Joe Johnson's just ice water in the veins. You, if you, he can shoot the ball. Like if, you, you might not want to rely on him on defense and stuff like no, that, but you know he can score the bucket. But if you remember to the, the Nets and Raptors playoff series that they had three or four years ago, Joe Johnson was a killer. Yeah. He killed us. Like, and I think he can still harness that in the last three minutes of a fourth quarter. He's a killer. Mm-hmm. James Harden is a killer. Eric Gordon, he's a three-point assassin. Chris Paul can make it all run. I think it's deadly in the fourth quarter. We're not looking at Joe Johnson to be guarding LeBron James right. or playing 40 minutes a game. No. We're looking, well, I'm saying we as, as in the Rockets. They're looking for 14 minutes a game. Give me three three-pointers. Space the floor out. We're down by two with three seconds left. You be ready to hit that game-winning shot for us if it comes out of James Harden's hands. Sure, coach, I can do that. I think Joe Johnson can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a good fit if it is a good system in Houston for Joe Johnson, which I think it is. I don't know if he's ever played with Mike D'Antoni. I, I doubt that they've ever crossed paths. But it doesn't, I don't think he's able to play a Mike D'Antoni <laughs> offense, to be honest. <laughs> I, I agree. I don't think his legs can keep up with it, no. but the green light that Mike D'Antoni gives to all of his people right, to shoot right. fits right into Joe Johnson's pocket. Exactly, like, yeah. Joe, you have the ball. You can see the you rim. Play out put of it a up. timeout. Anything like that. You you have the ball. You see the rim. Put it up. <laughs> Joe Johnson's gonna be like, "Hey, coach," and he's gonna be jacking threes. I think it's gonna be deadly. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Joe Johnson, um, some of the places that were he was speculated to go to, or at least uh, me being on these Raptors boards on Facebook and everything like that, a lot of people wanted us to sign Joe Johnson, and uh, obviously we didn't get him. We're not getting him. But there's a couple other names that people dropped as well too. It's still, it's still them, we could still get Joe Johnson. It's just not confirmed. It's it's <laughs> doubtful. But sorry. So the other guy who we're probably not going to get either because he's committed to the Philadelphia 76ers mm. is Marco Bellinelli. Mm. He's been with us before with under Brian Colangelo. Yep. And that's maybe one of the reasons why he's with the 76ers or going to the 76ers. Sure. Brian Colangelo. Um, that was another guy that we kind of looked at. A lot of Raptors. People or fans mm-hmm. were like, no, we've already tried him once before. It didn't go well, so whatever, right? I think it's a totally different team, and I think Bellinelli would be a good fit for us right now in, the, in our current, current need. Yeah, and then the final guy that people were talking about, where there's tons of debates about this, tons of debates. We've had debates about this even in earlier podcasts, but it was whether or not we will sign Vince Carter if he gets bought out by the Kings. Just to start off on this, my girlfriend is a humongous Vince Carter fan <laughs> and would have done anything to see Vince Carter come back. Honestly, I would have loved Vince Carter to come back as well. I think he would have been 
a great, I don't want to say a showpiece, but a good marketable piece that Vince Carter came back to his normal style right. ground. Would he have benefited our team as much as people would like to think? Meh. Probably Maybe not, not on the court. Yeah. Maybe in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. He's a veteran. And, and honestly, every Raptor who is a current Raptor right now have paid homage to Vince Carter and what he has done for the franchise. So honestly, I think he would be great for the locker room because everyone respects him. Yeah. He's very well respected across the league. I mean, he would have been in those situations where the refs weren't giving us the calls. With a, a nice conversation with Vince Carter, I'm sure a, co- a ref would be a little bit more friendly to the Raptors. The other thing to keep in mind is that uh, a lot of people are saying like he has nothing to give to the Raptors that we don't already have. You have to keep in mind that this guy's been playing in the league for 20 years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can learn something from somebody who's been playing in the league for 20 years. Yes, that is very true. Maybe maybe not physically he can't give us, but he has something mentally. He has something, I don't want to say spiritually because he's so invested in the organization, but like, come on. Seeing Vince Carter in the purple, well, I guess we're not wearing purple Red. anymore, <laughs> but like, just imagine the purple pinstripes with Vince Carter again. Right. That would get me inspired. Like, I would be inspired just to ball out just because... I'm playing with Vince Carter on the Raptors where I was watching and playing mm-hmm. early games of 2K with. like, And him doing dunks on everybody. That would just get me so pumped. I would get tickets to his first game oh, back in Toronto. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I would... Oh, I can't. I can't wait. There is a big debate that is he going to be a Raptor before he retires. I almost think it's a no-brainer. Like, even if it's a 10-game contract, he is coming back to be a Raptor to end it all. Like, it's not a question. Yeah. Um, it's a question of, is he going to come and con- contribute to the Raptors before he retires? Probably not. I don't see it. I don't see it. Especially after this, I don't see it anymore. I have seen reports that the Kings are committed to having Vince Carter sail the rest of the year here in Sacramento. Um, would I be an upset if Vince Carter came? No, of course not. Would I have been super excited? Only just for, to live my, fan- my, my childhood fantasies of watching right. him play in the actual ball. Maybe cry a few tears. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> when he does his first dunk as a Raptor again. Oh, I would get juiced. Um, I don't know. I don't think it would have been as beneficial as what people might thought um, for the Raptors organization, that is. Um, another quick trade that I wanted to reach out to as well because I think it's going to benefit the Phoenix Suns team itself is them went out and picked up Alfred Payton um, from the Orlando Magic there for a second-round draft pick. That is unbelievable. Alfred Payton, I still think he has a lot to pr- to give to a team. He is still a, a proven facilitator in the league as well. I think the Suns just got a good gem, a uh, diamond in the rough in Alfred Payton, who is going to be the main ball handler b- beside Devin Booker. Because like, Devin Booker, yes, he is a, a point guard body, but he's a, shoot guard, a shooting guard mentality. Yes, He needs a guard to dribble the ball, dribble the arrow of the ball for him so he can come off screens and just put the ball on the rim. I think Alfred Payton's going to be that guy. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. He doesn't want to score all that much. He's all about defense and passing, which is great for an off guard who's all about putting the ball in the rim. Yeah. I think Payton does have a lot of potential, and maybe uh, it, maybe the Suns, or sorry, the Magic uh, magic style of play just wasn't going away using, using him to his fullest potential. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Suns could, uh, could kind of run with him. They can maybe bring out his potential, and uh, he can he might be able to show us really what he's all about. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I don't, I don't know too much about him, but uh, I'm looking forward to see the experiment there. 
Um, but speaking about guards as well, I know we're going to go right back all the way to the Los Angeles Lakers there yet again. There were rumors that Isaiah Thomas was coming off the bench, but then he might have started beside Lonzo Ball. What would be your take if Lonzo and Isaiah Thomas both started on the court together? Would it be good, bad, indifferent? Uh, I'm I'm kind of indifferent because I don't really care about the Lakers this season. They're, they're trash, to be honest. That's fair. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, but I don't see I don't see why they can't play together. Um. I mean, you you can have like Lonzo does all these other things too. Like he's not a scorer. No, and he's like, a big guard too. Yeah, he 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 wants the ball in his hands because he does make plays and passes, and he might not be able to do that with Isaiah Thomas handling the ball, but uh, he's still there making other plays like getting people in position, uh, rebounding, assist. steals, blocks, yeah. those types of things. He still has an impact on. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting about. About starting, I think I'm indifferent in the starting because at the last five, six minutes of the game in the fourth quarter, they're both going to be on the court anyways together. Um, but I think it would be a good fit purely because Lonzo Ball is a bigger guard. He's 6'4", 6'5", as a point guard with a ball handling skill, mm-hmm. whereas Isaiah Thomas is significantly short. He's like 6'1", 6'2", maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't like to have the ball in his hands anyways. So I think having Lonzo Ball bring up the ball, who's a great facilitator, a great passer, to feed off of Isaiah Thomas is going to be great for him. Purely because Lonzo can still guard the two guard, um, Isaiah Thomas can guard the point guard, and still have good matchups, and still be able to have someone that can feed Isaiah Thomas in transition, going up and down the court, banging threes. Um, I think having IT on the court is also good for them because, like I said, they're a young team, and they don't have uh, a lot of presence. Mm -hmm. So having IT come off there, that's a guy that you need to keep your eye on, and uh, that might create more space for Alonzo to hit a shitty jumper. It's <laughs> that's all he needs is more space, more repetition, I believe. But and and like you were saying, Isaiah Thomas has experience. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. He's had he's been to the playoffs. He's he's played against LeBron and with LeBron. If anyone knows more about LeBron James, it would be Dwayne Wade. <laughs> like that's the only person that would know more about LeBron than LeBron himself would be Isaiah Thomas or maybe Kyrie and Kevin Love, but I think it's a great move. I think the Lakers are going to benefit off of it there in, in spades. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's not much more that we'll have to touch base on. I know I wanted to do one more uh, touch base on Markel Fultz. <laughs> I heard there were reports that Brian Colangelo is thinking about potentially shutting him down for the rest of the season. I'm not too sure if you saw any of these reports there, Dan. You being your super Sixer fan. I, I have yeah. seen some of these reports. And unfortunately, I saw a video today. Okay. Uh, Markel Fultz taking some uh, short range jump shots. Okay. And he fucking airballed it. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Markel Fultz three so, point contest. So the thing right now is uh, the question is we we all know that he has a broken shot. We all know that he tried to change his shot. Um, the question is, did he change the shot because of the shoulder injury, or did the shoulder injury cause him to change his shot? Mm-hmm. So that's the question that the Philadelphia 76ers are asking right now. And the thing is, with the new shot, apparently what it is, it's he has to rebuild muscle memory on the shot, which he does not have right now. And that is a big problem. Comes with repetition. Repetition so, and practice. Yeah, there, there are a couple of times where you see him shoot and they, the shots look good. And then today you see him shoot mid-range or short-range short range shots and airball those. 
And I'm just like, what is going on with this guy? First round overall. Yeah. You, like, you, you can see him. He has no problems with dunking the ball. He has no problems with dribbling or anything. It's just the shot is broken. But being so, a point guard, especially a scoring point guard, if you don't have a jumper... You already have a point out. guard that can't shoot a jumper in Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like, you can't have two. No. <laughs> so, I wanted to touch base with you there because you are the big Sixer fan there. I want to see if these reports were true. You put yourself in Brian Colangelo's GM shoes. Do you shut him down or do you try and rush him back to try and make a playoff push? Because they are in the playoff contention. When I Marco think they have the eighth spot right now. Yeah, they are in contention. Um, they brought in Marco Bellinelli. I think that's going to help. I, I would shut him down. Honestly, if he, he if he's no use to you, why play him, right? Like, just be like, come on, man. Like, focus on getting back your shot. Once you get back your shot, we'll we'll take a look at you then. I, Trust I, the process. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I think you hit. I, I would agree with you totally as well. Shut him down. You've seen somewhat success when you have shut down your rookies, i.e. Ben Simmons, i.e. Joel Embiid. Trust the process in rehab actually buy into your rehab, not changing doctors mid-thing like Kawhi Leonard situation. Like, mm-hmm. have a plan, stick to the plan, and go over it. And just, just get over that rehab. That rehab. Right. Um, if I was in the Sixers organization, I would be the one voting to shut him down for the rest of the season. Rehab, get him back, get that muscle memory back up there for him, and just be more confident. That's that's what I think. I think now, especially being a rookie, making that transition, confidence is is one thing. Especially making that transition because you don't know what you are getting yourself into. Now, not knowing what you're getting yourself into and having an injury, conf- his confidence yeah. must be shot. If I was in this situation, I would have absolutely no confidence in my game because I've played three to four games very early in the season, did not do good, then got another injury off of an injury I already had where he didn't even play his last college year, I don't believe. So it's like, he hasn't played in a long stint. How can you be confident in that game? Um, and the other thing too is, uh, that muscle memory part is a huge thing because he's been shooting a certain way, thousands and thousands of shots throughout his life a certain way. And now he suddenly have to change it. And it's there's no way it's going to feel right. Like even, even when I play, I've had to change my shots because it's, it's a bit weird as well too. Mm-hmm. When I'm, at the end of a game and I'm exhausted or whatever and I throw up a shot, sometimes my shot does revert back to that old shot and I'm like, That's oh, what you're comfortable with. Shit. <laughs> right? So, uh, I don't know. Like, it's 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 interesting situation. Very. Um, I would like to see how this uh, story develops going forward here. I, I, I like Mikhail Fultz. I don't think he was num- ever supposed to be number one overall. Um, but he, he, he was a promising NBA star, which I hope he does get back. All prayers with him in his rehab. I hope he is, gets better sooner than later. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, before we sign off here, uh, just a couple of last things to touch on. And um, there are trades that didn't happen mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. And one of the guys that we've been talking about since we started this podcast, DeAndre Jordan. I cannot believe they didn't get any value back for DJ. It's almost a guarantee that he's leaving now. Um, especially Did you see the interview, him. the locker room interview? No, I did oh, not. So, so they asked him um, um, something about how do you feel the, about what the team thinks of you? And there's just like a long pause. And he's like, well, what do you think? <laughs> right? 
It's like, so, yeah, it, it seems like he's completely lost trust with his organization, his management and stuff. And uh, I don't think there's any way he's staying if he can, if he can leave. Yeah. Um, I thought they were going to move him for some sort of value as well, purely because it would have been beneficial for him because they're going to get nothing for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't moved. I want to see what they can do. The Clippers did just re-sign Lou Williams to a three-year extension. Which a lot of people thought he was going to get traded as well. As well. Too. But then they paid him out, so that's good. I don't know what their plans are for this offseason. I hope it's going to be something good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, DJ. Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting tough. one. I didn't see that one coming at all, to be honest. I think even the Raptors were kind of trying to sneakily try to get in their way into it. But nothing happened with the Raptors, obviously, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other guy who was... Uh, he was shut down for pretty much like a week and a half so that he wouldn't get injured or anything like that. Keep his trade value high. Tyreek Evans. Didn't move as well. Um, it's a shame. I like Tyreek Evans. I think he's going to be re- reestablished in, in, on this team. I think he's going to be fine. The good thing about him staying on Memphis is that he has been producing on Memphis. Mm-hmm. I have him. I know that I'm not going to lose any value out of him now. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, I mean, what the Memphis Grizzlies wanted was a first-round pick out of him, and they yeah, couldn't yeah. get it. So, you know what? They're going to keep him. Why not? He um, still has value to give him. Exactly. Uh, another one that I thought that might have happened, just because of all the drama and the locker room, was uh, John Wall. I thought there was a potential that he could have got sent off. I know you were alluding to that in in former podcasts. I don't I don't believe that they would have got anywhere near the value of what John Wall prior po, um, pre injury, however pre injury, would have given him. Um, there was no way they would have got anything of value for for John Wall. I thought it was going to be a wasted attempt. So that's probably the reason why. It, plus, now that he's injured, no one wants him. Um, so I think that would be the reason why he did not get moved. So one of the questions I have, this might be a stupid question on my end, but after the trades, they're supposed to do a physical and everything, mm. right? So if if a guy's injured, like Kevin Love, John Wall, if can are they untradeable because of that? Because technically, the other players can't even play until they pass their physical, right? That's true. Um, I'm sure there are clauses in the back end of, of NBA players because, like, how was Isaiah Thomas traded to the South to right. the Cavaliers? Because he had because he, he had a hip well. injury. So I think it would be more or less because yes, you have the option of giving them a physical, but then I think if you if they aren't able to do said physical, it would be buyer beware of, of knowing what you're actually getting or not. I, I would assume. I, I have no idea uh, how it would work, but you're right. I know teams have trades have fallen through because a physical is not going well. Right. Um. But yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, have you Have you heard much about the the drama with John Wall and? You've, you've heard rumblings coming out of the Wizards camp. They've been they've been winning without him, yep. first of all. And then uh, apparently the uh, the number of assists per game has increased, has increased since he's been out. But that's not that's not surprising. Because when usually when a big star are out of the team, the teams have to play more team ball. Yes, because you don't have a, a, a one guy to go the ball to. Guy. Yeah, you don't have someone to build through. So you have to build through everybody. Yes, so you're going to have to have more ball movement. I don't look into this drama being... We are better without John Wall, I think. But the cryptic Twitters and tweets. Yes, and the the Gortat in the oh, quotations. Hot one, man. Um, I, I think yes. In the short term, you're doing a little bit better with John Wall. If you played 82 games without John Wall, no, you guys are gonna be garbage. I think, I don't think you guys are gonna be in the playoff hunt at all. Um, my opinion. I don't know. My the favorite thing that I, John Wall said was um, 
he took a took a jab at Tortat saying like you know like all of your buckets are literally spoon fed by me. Yep. And I was kind of talking about that in previous podcasts as well too. Is like when John Wall plays. Marcin Gortat has good games. Double doubles. That's that's one of the reasons why I keep my eye on him. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so when when uh, John Wall was out, like I dropped Gortat. I was like, yo, this guy's not producing for me right now because he, he doesn't have someone to spoon feed him. So yeah. So I think I think it's hilarious. Like I I was just as shocked as John Wall that like of all people saying this, it's, it's Gortat. Gortat. <laughs> like I understand Bradley Beal because he like, Beal gets his own. Right. Gortat needs a point guard. He needs the point guard. Yeah, and he's not getting these buckets when Wall's out. So uh, I thought it was really interesting there. Funny to see. But other than that, I, I think we gave you guys an extended version of this podcast this week because I know we were a little bit longer than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, guys, definitely thank you guys for listening in. Don't forget we are having this giveaway still going on here right now. Please don't forget to subscribe. Tell yes. a friend. Scroll down, subscribe, leave a comment if you haven't yet. It's so simple. It is super easy. You can leave it on any one of our prior podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend. By then, you guys will have the 100. And then next week, we can definitely pull it out of a hat to see who can win. But um, as always, guys, if you listen to the, the whole podcast here, you, you guys, the real, real MVP. MVP. Peace. Peace.